0: Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. Tonight I want to talk to you. I want to ask a question. I'm not asking you to respond. I know a lot of times when I uh, ask a question, sometimes I expect you to respond back. Just think about your answer when I ask you the question. Have you ever been anxious about anything? Have you ever been to the point of where you just feel like you're about to pop? I, I, I think uh, there's a lot of people that are anxious. Uh, today, in this day and age. Uh, there's a lot of people that <coughs> are so uh, caught up in emotion, a lot of things. Uh, <coughs> and and we've seen a, an uptick in uh, suicides as a response to that anxiousness. And part of it has to do with, with people not understanding how they can deal with problems, I think a lot of people know they 're going to face problems but uh, but people have not been given the tools with which to cope with those problems. so when you live in a world and a society built on the fact that everybody is is affirmed and everybody is is uh, 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 Told they're right about anything and everything that they're going through and and that they're that there's no wrong answers and, and so many different things. And then they hit the world world and the world world tells them, Look, not only are you wrong, you you have to change, or uh not only uh, are you not right? You're 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 completely wrong about things, and and people don't know how to cope with that after being uh, spoon-fed all this affirmation for so long throughout their childhood. They get to adulthood and they don't know how to cope with problems. And the reality is, is that everybody in this room is falls into one of three categories. Either you're just coming out of having problems, where you've just finished dealing with a problem that, that you have gone through, you've just finished being, navigating through a problem in your life, or two, you uh, know someone that is having a problem, that is going through a problem, that's dealing with a problem, or three, you're about to have a problem. We're all in one of those three categories. We all will face problems in our life. And the problem is is that uh, how you deal with that problem and how you approach that problem determines how you will get through that problem. So many of us uh, deal with problems like... um, You remember those little... uh, When I was a little boy, there was a little toy that, that... was sold in the stores and they don't they don't sell them anymore because they're cheap and they were a lot of fun and they didn't cost a whole lot of money and and uh, but they were these little airplanes made out of of wood and you they came in a little packet you put the, the, the little airplane together and you and the propeller was attached to a rubber band you twisted the rubber band and you twisted and twisted and twisted it and then you let go the rubber band and you flung it in the air and you saw it fly. I wanted one of those so badly as a child. And I asked my mom and dad can, we, can I have one of those? Can I have it? Can I have it? My mom and dad were trying to teach me responsibility and teach me uh, um, that I can't have everything I wanted. So they said, well you can And because it was so inexpensive, they said, well, maybe you do some chores around the house. We'll give you a a little bit of something here or there. You know, my parents were not Andy Griffith, but they said, "We'll give you a quarter here, or, uh, or fifty cents there." You know, they they didn't attach a whole lot of money to the things I should have been doing already. Uh, uh, but they were willing to at least give me, you know, a quarter for taking out the trash. Well, I was supposed to take out the trash anyway, but they wanted me to earn some money to pay for it. And my greatest disappointment was is that they didn't tell you. That the more you wind that rubber band around, the more tension was building in that rubber band. Remember, and you could actually wind that. Pro- I always wanted to wind, wind that, wind that propeller more and more to get more distance out of it, didn't? it? But what happened was, you remember what happened was, you kept winding it and winding it, winding it, and it'd get all knotted up and either it would snap like you're saying or it get so knotted up it wouldn't fly like it was supposed to well the problem is, is that in our life we can face our problems either like that little uh, airplane it's all knotted up and wound up and just built up with so much tension in our life that when we're finally let loose we're just that little plane if you weren't delicate with it you could like that and it would go crashing into the ground and guess what because it was so light and because it was so uh flimsy it would just fall apart and it just and first time i got one i went like that and i didn't realize what i was supposed to do smashed into the ground and it just fell all apart. And it broke. Not not just falling apart where I could put it back together. It tore it up. I mean, the wings just gnarled up. And in our lives, if we approach our problems all bound up like that, we'll be just like that little airplane. We'll crash and we'll be all torn up and our life will be in pieces. But with the right amount of tension and with the right amount of uh, of approach, we can soar through our problems. The problem is, is is learning how to not allow yourself to be all bound up and all gnarled up with that tension, but to rather to allow God to help you through life and to soar over your problems and so tonight, I want to talk to you about the approach that we need to take look at first peter chapter five and we're going to begin in verse five where peter exhorts uh, he's talking to people within the church and he talked to the elders at the beginning of chapter five and he talks about you elders you need to Uh, help those who are younger and you need to be encouraging to them and you need to lead them in their life. And he says in verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and gives grace to the humble." So what Peter is addressing is is found actually in a proverb. Pr- Peter is actually teaching out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. And he talks about, uh, in Proverbs, it talks about how God uh, loves those who are humble. And so he says, first of all, in order to, to really learn from those who are our mentors and those who are over us, we need to first... Understand to be humble because it's in humility that we learn. That we need to have instruction in our life. We need to. We can grow in our walk and our spiritual life if we humbly approach those who are more mature in Christ, those who have more experience, and and allow them to to guide us. And those are those that Peter talks about as being the elders. And he says, younger people, you need to submit yourselves to those who are are more. Uh, More mature, the elders, and allow your uh, come in humility. For God uh, loves those and gives grace to those who have humility, but resist those who are proud. He says, "Look, God's not going to help." First thing we need to understand is when we're facing a problem is is that we need to face it in humility. And so often when we Face a problem, we face that problem in not in humility, but in anger, don't we? Why am I going through this? Is how we as how we approach it. Why do I have to do this? Why are they doing this to me? Why are they they just have it in for me and we just want to when we're faced with a problem. But God tells us that we need to approach those issues with humility. Realize that God. In, in our humility, will help us through those issues, will help us through those difficult times. He says, uh, not only that, he says, look at verse 6, he says, uh, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. And so he's saying, look, if you humble yourself before God and realize that, now look, there is... One thing about being humble, and there 's another thing about uh, convincing yourself that you deserve the problems that you 're going through we 're not talking about that uh, we 're not talking about having the kind of attitude where you feel like everybody needs to dump on you all all the problems in their life we 're talking about facing problems with humility and and what it really is it boils down to is not facing your problems in your own power and might, but rather allowing God to help you through your problems. You can't allow, and what Peter is saying is, you can't allow God to help you through your problem if you think you're going to solve all of your problems. You need to humbly submit, and he's not talking about being humble towards those who are causing the problems in your life. He's talking about being humble towards God, allow God to help you through your situation. And isn't that the problem that all of us face? I mean, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Think about it for a minute. What was the really, what was the first sin? A desire to be like God, right? And Satan said to Eve, hey, you know, if you eat this, he tempted Eve with the, with the forbidden fruit and said, if you eat this, you'll be like God. And all of us since the Garden of Eden have felt like. We're trying to take the place of God. I can do this. I can take care of myself. I'm in charge of things. I don't want to do what other, God wants me to do. It's, it, it all centers around trying to be, take the place of God. And it's ironic that that's the sin that, that Satan himself committed. He wanted to take the place of God. He wanted all the praise that God was was receiving. He wanted to take uh, have all of that heaped on him, not on God. And so he's, he, you know, we all face that issue of, "Well, I can take care of this." Why are they doing this to me? If they would just stop doing this, I would be all right. What we need to do is face it in the humility and say, okay, I know I have a problem. I know that I can't face this problem on my own. I know that God can help me through this problem. And so I'm going to look to God for guidance. Oh no, most of the time we all jump in there. We, we're like the cannonballer running and jumping in. You know how kids are when they see water, a swimming pool. They all want to just run and jump in without... A lot of them will ch- run and jump in without even test- testing to see if, if the water's hot or cold or anything like that, let alone if there is water. They just go running and jumping, and cannonball, and hope they land in water. And that's a lot of us. That's how we deal with our problems. We go running and we cannonball into the midst of our problem and ah, I can take care of this. But what God tells us is we need to first humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. And when we do, He'll exalt us. He'll lift us up. He'll, now this exalt doesn't mean that He'll praise us or push us in, in a praise, praiseworthy place. It, it means He'll lift us up. And what do we want when we're going through a problem? We need someone there to lift us up. We need someone to help us. Uh, and whenever I read this, I picture a little child that that has, or, and usually a little child's like me, trying to ride a bicycle and falling and and skinning my knee and and crying and and hoping that mommy will come and pick me up and and make it feel better and kiss the boo-boo, you know. Uh, that's the image that God wants to give us when He says, I'll, and He'll exalt you. He'll lift you up. When you go through your problem of and when you have your difficulty, whatever it is, if we approach it in humility and allow God to, to help us, then He'll lift us up in due time. And due time is really what it's saying there is in the right time. That's what that in due time means. It means not after a certain period of time or anything like that, but in God's perfect time. The the same kind of phrasing is used when it says uh, uh, that Jesus came in the right time to be born of a virgin. This in due time is, is in the perfect time God will lift you up exalt you. He'll lift you out of your times of turmoil and trouble. And it says in verse 7, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. All of us are probably familiar with this verse, verse number 7. Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. And And that's a... You know, my mom used to leave little. She, my mom worked in an office, so it wasn't anything for her to type up something, and she did a lot of typing in her job. And she'd type up uh, little verses from time to time and cut them out on the little slips of paper, and she'd put it. Uh, with a magnet on the refrigerator and every time we'd go we'd have to go out the dope back door we went right past the refrigerator and and anytime we went into the refrigerator and went out the door we'd see those little scripture verses and this is the kind of verse that she'd put on the refrigerator and it, it's such a wonderful verse for us to memorize and, and to apply to our life but sometimes those verses can become so familiar we lose the impact of what that verse is saying and what that verse is saying is, is cast all your care this is this is not a this is an imperative uh, sen- uh, sentence and those of you who are familiar with English uh, and your uh, forms of English there's certain types of, of sentences and in uh, understanding uh, Greek and Hebrew, that you know, it translates over to that too. You know, this imperative is—it's a command, right? That's what imperative means. And this is a command: casting all your cares upon Him. There are certain types of um, sentences, and and. Most times when it's a command like this, it's in the aorist tense. Uh, this is not in the aorist tense. And the aorist tense is uh, something for you to do and to continue on doing and doing and doing and doing it over and over again. This is not in that tense. What it's really saying is, it's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, have you ever been somewhere where you've you had something for a long, long time, and you kept it not because you loved it so much, but because you had to have it, and you didn't have enough money to buy something else you know in my house, it was a, an old chair I had a chair that i that was a recliner in my house that I had uh, recently before moving, and that chair i'd had for probably. Uh, well, it was for over ten years. It was not designed to last for ten years. Let me tell you, and I bought it, and I sat in it. It was my favorite chair, and the only problem was is that every once in a while it would start to break down. There would be a spring that would come loose, or there was part of the the uh the stuffing in the seat that that uh that had gone through the the springs and all that. Kind of, and I'd, every once in a while I'd have to flip it over and I'd have to push all the backing back through the springs and I'd have to get out my hammer and screwdriver and work to get the springs in the right place and then re reatta- uh, rehammer them onto the frame of the chair. And, boy, that chair sat nice and comfortable when it was in its place and when it was like it was supposed to but every so often they, those springs would come loose again and I'd sink down in the chair and I, I wouldn't have time to work on it and fix it because it would take hours to work on and fix it. It wasn't something I could do and so I'd be stuck with sitting in a chair that was that was <laughs> caving in and, and it was falling apart and and uh, Robin kept saying why don't you just get rid of that chair and the, and the problem with that is, is where am I going to sit if I get rid of the chair you know I don't have a chair to sit in if I get rid of it so when we moved and we got all all new furniture guess what happened we threw that chair and I took it to the dump and I lifted that you know how heavy that thing is That thing is heavy. I lifted it up all by myself and threw it into the dumpster. I was so happy to get rid of that thing. I threw that thing in there and I was like, I was almost like Rocky standing on top of the steps at a library in Philadelphia just, I did it, I finally got rid of it. That's what he's saying about casting all your cares. Now, did I have to turn around and throw that chair in the dump again the next day? No, I'd already done it. It was already in the dump. It was there. And it was staying there until they took it away. That's what this tense is. It is get it done with, over and done with cast all your cares and and for so many people we there used to be a little toy and i, I hate to talk about all these little different things but it's, it helps illustrate the point there used to be a toy that you could have a band and you'd wrap it around your hand and you had a ball that was attached to it and you'd throw it and it would come back to your hand you'd throw it and that band would bring the ball back to your hand you'd throw it and it'd come back to your hand you can tell i played a lot by myself Uh, Throw it and then come back to your hand. That's not what this is saying. So many people want to do that with their problems. All their cares and concerns. Oh, yes, I'll pray and God, God, please take it away. And if God's not Mr. uh, Mr. Jiffy Pop and giving you instant satisfaction with your problems, guess what? They wind up realizing they still have that problem in their hand. Not because they've... This is saying... Cast it, cast all your cares upon God. Let it go. Don't hold on to it. Don't have it like that, that toy and spring it back into your hand after you've cast it off. Cast it off and let it go like that chair. Throwing that chair into the dump. Get rid of that thing and realize how wonderful it is to be finally free of it rather than constantly hanging on to something that was falling apart and dilapidated. Cast all of you. And that's what what that word is saying. Cast it off. Get it off. The second part of that verse is so impactful. It says, cast all your cares upon Him for He cares for you. The reason you're able to cast your cares upon God and get rid of it and not hold on to your cares and concerns is because God cares so much for you that He wants your burdens, He wants your problems, He wants to help you through those things. But He can't until you're willing to let go of them. And He wants to do those things, not because He's you know, on the helpline at the at local... Uh, you know, Best Buy or something like that. He wants to help you because He loves you. He cares for you. That cares for you is a demonstration of God's love. He cares for you. And it says, verse 8, Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary... Here's the problem with not casting your cares upon God. He says... Be sober and be vigilant. Be on watch. Be careful. This is like the kind of terminology you would give to a soldier entering into the battle. He says, be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, uh, uh, is as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You see, a lot of times when we hold on to those burdens, when we hold on to those problems, we feel as though they're problems that we... Let's be honest. We always think, well, I can take care of this. I can, I can handle this. But in doing so, we're making ourselves weak and vulnerable for the, for the devil to come and to, and to destroy our life. You see, he uses those problems and those difficulties... to to prime us and get ready. And a lot of times when we strike out in anger at our spouse or we say something that we shouldn't say to those that we love, a lot of times when we wish with all of our heart that we could take back the words that we had said to someone that we love. It's because we're in the midst of turmoil in our life and, we've, and we're just snapping at those that we love. That's exactly what Satan wants to do to us. He wants to put us through all these problems and all these difficulties to make us weak, to get us vulnerable, to get us ready to sin and to yield to the temptation of just... just this The easy thing to do is just snap at those people that are just trying to help us, just trying to love us. But we're trying to take care of those problems all our own. He says, be sober and vigilant because He's ready to just devour you. This is consuming. He wants to consume us when we're weak because of those problems and we're not allow, uh, trusting in the Lord, He is able to devour us. And how many people do you know that have spiraled, away, uh, spiraled down into sin because of problems that they're going through? Because they're going through issues and problems in their life and they are, they've allowed those issues to, to drive them further and further away from God. And they've allowed those issues and those problems to mount more and more to the point where they're not seeking out God, they're running away from God because of those problems. Verse 9 says, "...whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but, as, uh, but the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So by being steadfast in the faith being persistent and trusting in God, casting our cares upon God. God strengthens us. God is able to give us grace. He's able to refine us, purify us, strengthen us and to settle us. It's when we trust in God, when we rely upon God, when we allow Him to carry us through our issues that we grow strong. And, and rather than growing weak in those circumstances and vulnerable to sin, we need to instead be relying upon God allow Him to take care of our problems. And in doing so, we grow stronger. We grow uh, more pure in our faith We're able to overcome those issues. God's able to be glorified. And He's able to bring glory into our life. And Peter kind of wraps all this up. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so, God's grace god desires to show you grace he desires to show you mercy he desires to strengthen you to encourage you to bolster you up so how are you going to deal with your problems like i said we're all in one of three categories either we're going through a problem we've been through a problem or we're about to go through a problem so how are you going to deal with that problem Are you going to trust in God, lean upon Him, cast your cares upon Him, stand there in victory? Boy, let me tell you, I wish I'd had somebody taking pictures of me while I was throwing that thing into the trash. That's how we all need to be, in victory. Throwing our cares and our worries, our anxieties, our our troubles. Not to equate God with a dumpster, but you know, Casting off the the problem uh, that we're going through and, and being rid of it permanently. Or are we going to allow it to drag us deeper and deeper into depression, deeper and deeper, further away from God? How are you going to deal with your problems? Maybe you know someone right now that's going through a problem and you're seeing them deal with their problem in a totally wrong way. Encourage them to cast their their cares upon God. Because He loves them. He desires for them to have their burdens lifted. What's What's the song? Burdens are lifted at Calvary? Our burdens are lifted off of us when we learn to cast them at the feet of Jesus at the foot of the cross. Let's pray.